Okay, so here we are. Welcome to Black Girl from Eugene. I'm Aisha Elliott, and this is my guest, Andre Royal. Welcome to the show. Is it the show, the episode? I, I do this every week. I'm like, is it a, is it a, I don't even know. Whatever. I think it's a show mm-hmm. that could be several episodes long. <laughs> if, you, if you invite me back. That's okay. <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. Everybody is welcome back, and I'm sure we will do a part two, three, and four. I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I'm a fan of sequels. We can even do a prequel. We can do a prequel. <laughs> So today's show, uh, we're today's Valentine's Day, and I know for some people that's something that means something, and then for other people it's just a day that goes on by. But we are going to be talking about interracial dating, loving, uh, marriage, consideration, all of the things that go along with it. We're both experienced. <laughs> this is from lived experience, and of course we have some uh, some just reference points and some lived like knowledge and just things that maybe in hindsight maybe in foresight and maybe you know going in the future at the same time that we would consider and we want to share with you guys but before we get started um this is kind of funny because this is further away than normal and i kind of want to make this bigger so i can see and the last time i did this i wasn't really sure if i could see everyone's comments so again you guys if you guys are commenting I hope I can see it. I think I can see it here. But this is like a new format, so we'll see. So we can see ourselves better. Oh, okay. There we are. Yes, there we are. <laughs> All right. So Valentine's Day 2021, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty loved right now. Yeah? Yeah, I can feel the love a little bit. Right on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I have a letter. Before we get started, I have a letter from um, Kakai, who's been on my show at least twice. And I'll see every time I'm looking at my hair in this thing. Anyway, okay, so my hair, I mean, don't worry about my hair. Kakai has, <laughs> Kakai has come on my show a couple different times. He's written three different books, which I have on show notes of several different shows where you can order his books. But he ha- is a couple thousand letters short of 10,000 letters of love that he has sent out to the community. Not just here, but he is from Medford. He's done it in Eugene, Medford, and up in Portland. And I have one letter. Um, I helped in the efforts and sent out a few in the year. What's special about this letter is that it's a letter of love, and for people who, who he doesn't know, it's just community of affirmation to send out a vibration, right? And um, this letter I got, and this is what he wrote, it was on my birthday last year, which I didn't even realize, which I thought was pretty special. And I just want to show people his handwriting. That's <laughs> right? a good penmanship. This yeah. is, like, who writes like this now? Okay, so y'all, can y'all see that? Like, it is so, people on my podcast, I'm sorry you can't see it, but it is like classic, cursive, old school. It's just really beautiful. So anyway, I'm going to read it, and if he... If he logs on because he does almost weekly, or at least he shares it, thank you, Kakai, for this. And I think everyone should know what you're doing, and I hope everyone who this reaches um, can feel your energy. So here it is. Dear Beloved, thank you for choosing to receive this handwritten expression of love. I believe more life-affirming letters like these need to circulate throughout America. Celebrating our collective consciousness. This spiritual practice promotes healing from the inside out. Please choose to remind yourself, I am the love vibration. I am peace personified. I am joy radiating outward. I am growth fully supported. These, oh, for these four affirmations are truth activated inside your consciousness. 
As you choose to identify with these affirmations, you will see them mag manifest in your life and in the lives of others. It is called healing. I choose to be a part of my own healing. I invite you to be a part of your own healing. Let's choose to heal together. So that was dated March 5th, and he is sending that out. I think that's lovely. How you get on that mailing list? I mean, I could use the affirmation too. You okay. Know? <laughs> You know, I like to start off my day with an affirmation. Right? All right. I'm going to see. I he's He just is sending out 10,000 letters since he started doing that. I think that's amazing. So I just wanted to start the episode off with some love for everybody. He's got to have that buff hand now. Right? You know? that, one, that one, his forearm is just like this. Affirmations. <laughs> All right. So we got it. Okay. So, Andre, here we are. Interracial. Yes. Ready? Let's enter. Let's do it. Okay. So we made some notes. Now, the first thing I wanted to talk about was our preferences. And then I thought about it later, and I wanted to go back in history a little bit more. So just to know that, like, our family dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? Like, your parents, are they married, black, white? Are they interracial or not? And then I'll, you know, of course, then we'll just go from there. Just to give some background information right. to our... Long story short, uh -huh. uh, I'm not a black guy from Eugene. I'm from California, born right. and raised Fresno, um, both my parents. Brown colored eyes. When I came out, I had blue eyes. I was born white. My mom was like, "What's going on here? Where's my real baby?" Mm -hmm. So California is where I hail from. Mm -hmm. um, my parents are no longer together. They haven't been for some time. My father's uh, not too long ago recently uh, deceased. Mm, sorry. So, oh, you know, uh, bless his heart. I've learned a lot through his life, and right. his presence, and in his absence, and I'm, I'm learning even through his absence now having uh, stepped into the role of a grandfather and um, also still husband and also um, dealing with some things that it took till now to kind of understand in relationships and now me and my uh, mother we have we have some serious conversations right and, um, you know interracial stuff is a part of it but mm -hmm. just life is now a part of it and it doesn't have to be sugar-coated candy-coated it's like the real for right now. Yeah, I think 2020 gave us a favor. Like, you know what I mean? Trump gave us a favor. All of us get to, to put some really uncomfortable conversations dead in center where most people can't avoid it anymore. It's just like, this is the conversation we need to be having. Um, but the did you say- The filters came off. You the know, filters came quite a few people. Right. Well, <laughs> good and bad, right? Like, okay, so did you, now are your parents, you're not interracial. You, your parents are, are biracial. Your parents well, are- I would say, you know, for, for traditional, Right, language exactly. purposes they say no but you know yeah I you know I got Telequa Indian and you know but not for traditionally considered black and white terms uh, identifying black and yeah. white like right okay yeah there's some something down there somewhere along the lines yeah yeah but, um, but yeah not traditional I mean clearly our, our complexion and you know complexion says there's something down the yeah, line there's something <laughs> the blue eyes say there's something down the line yeah right? being born white with blue eyes was kind of the indicator there was something <laughs> there's there. something down the line yeah. so same thing my well my parents are but I think I've spoken they might be on my parents I, I've um, they've been married 53 years now yeah 53 years and they're both they're both african-american they're both black but they're both very light skin. You know, my dad has green eyes, light. We're, I think I might be lighter, like in skin complexion. This is important because what, as we talk about it, it's just like the, the way the society sees you and the partners that you choose, right? And mm -hmm. so um, it's funny if my mom and dad were on here, him being light skin with green eyes was a part of why her family was like, back in the day, was like, choose him. 
for the preference of having lighter skinned kids, right? right? For the preference of having kids that don't look as Afrocentric. Or just as, have green eyes, like it's such a... It's a thing, it's like it's that's a, a it, that colorism idea of like, that's better to be lighter, right? And so my dad, my mom's family was like, you know, uh, the lighter, no, the, yeah, the lighter eyes and lighter skin would be a preference, right? And so anyway, um, going forward, I've been, my, my mom and dad have six kids, we have seven brothers and sisters, and there's, we have a, a plethora of, of marriage situations. What's interesting is that all my brothers are in long-term marriages, like over 20 years. Um, well, no, one brother is not. He's single, like, for all of his life, but the other um, are long-term marriages. Mm. I guess I have, wait, how many, I have, I'm like, hold on, I have four brothers, two of them are long-term marriages, and two of them are single, but one's going through school, so it doesn't, I mean, you know. That don't count. That don't count, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then me and my sisters, um, all of us are single, except for I'm the only one, I've been married multiple, like, two times. I've been married two times and divorced two times. One to a black dude, one to a white dude, right? Okay, yeah. Now, how, have you been married once? I've been married uh, once and divorced once. Okay, married once and divorced once. Okay, so... Oh, okay. I said, no, because I know the history of what you're saying. I'm I mean, like, I've been remarried, too, as well. So, yeah. So, married once, divorced once, remarried. Same person? No, no. Just oh, so you've been married twice, too? I've been remarried to someone else. She okay. stayed divorced. I don't know. I don't know what these kids are calling it these I'm days. Like, I'm like, uh, you got yeah. me all confused. Not remarried to the same person. I remarried. Like, oh, I see. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you have one relationship that ended, and you remarried. Yeah. So you have two marriages. One's divorced. And one ended. Not and one at is, the same time. Right. Just, just congruently. Right. You got to clarify because there's a lot of different uh, familial arrangements and. and <laughs> That's so that, true. Yeah, we so talked wait, about that too. You you identified yourself as something. What did you a say? A serial monogamous. That's right. A serial. <laughs> monogamous. <laughs> so you've had um, relationships since you were like. When would you say your first relationship started? And like. You were just like, this is what I do. I do long term. This is me. Uh, actually, since the very beginning, like I set out with this idea of I wanted, and this is gonna sound probably cliche or, or something, no, it's not anything. But like I wanted my first to be my last. You know, what yeah. I mean? Like I was very kind of mate for life, penguin minded. But that was also like what I had never even seen my first titty too. So. Did you say penguin minded? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they like, you know, made for life and stuff. Right. Know? Like, I don't know. Like, a, a lot of it was romanticized things that were kind of like passed down or just seeing an absence of that in my actual life. Mm -hmm. I had this idea, like, you know, I'm, one of my old favorite songs, and this is going to sound probably cheesy too, was like, going to the chapel and you know, I want to get married. So, like, yeah. The, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, that, that was my song. Yeah, I was super <laughs> romantic at like a very young age. Right. Like, you know, I, I had plans. You know, I played house, and I played house for real. Right. You know, like, <laughs> he said, I want that. I believed it. Really? Yeah. yeah that's sweet. It. See, I think, now, that's what's really good about this <laughs> conversation is because black men, at generally, the stereotypical idea of black men is not that black men are romantic, thinking about having a wife as a small child and children being like, that is what I really want in my life goal. And more, I know more people, I'm not like that, but I know. <laughs> I heard. I, look, I, not me, but yeah, yeah. but I've heard that um, it's it's a thing, you know. And but it's always given to the to the to the feminine 
idea and it's never really like a, a, a factor that could be where men men are looking for that from a very young well, age. I don't think well. this is uh, talked about like you know if you, if you look in the context of uh, you know yes women are taught these things mm -hmm. and I don't want to step on any um, gender toes or anything exactly or by listening but I just want to point out something that maybe doesn't get discussed and that's you know, as a man, you're, you're taught certain things. The height of manhood is what? Chivalry, sacrifice, all these things. And when it comes to family and the family dynamic, um, you're really kind of conditioned, you know, women and children first. Like, there's a lot of things that go there and it are, are out front and center that we learn. Like, even if you look at, uh, what is it, John Henry, that mm -hmm. story. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, where you know he sacrifices and then like the ultimate thing is you know she tells the child um, oh that's just daddy hammering away in heaven and stuff like mm -hmm. he died right like you know like he put his <laughs> life on the line like I'm looking at that as a man now and I hate that story but it's like, toxic as hell like, yeah, like wait a minute and, and, old and like way outdated yeah like <laughs> yeah. wait a minute you know like he bet his life with some dishonorable people he lost and now the, the child is left with a fairy tale of like oh it's okay daddy's in heaven he would have been what, who's mama seeing? Like, right, right. You know, You're we, crazy. So, no, <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know, daddy's just hammering away. Ha like, come on, man. That's, yeah, like, yeah. We, you know, we're taught from a very young age that the greatest thing we could do is sacrifice. And one of the greatest things we could do is sacrifice for our women. But it's like, wait a minute. Maybe one of the greatest things I could do is live and survive some stuff and be around to actually rear my kids. Right. And, and do some things to where it's not, we're just, um, you know, kind of a romanticized into this voluntary cannon fodder. No, you know no, I mean? it's absolutely. It's a toxic. It's a. It's a complete toxic idea around relationship and and duty to relationship. Like this yeah. idea that there is this uh, like this well, duty. Teach, teach men how they should treat women. When is it ever okay to say teach women how they should treat men? Like that's like. Well, like, it's not we about. It's not even about. It's saying? not even about teaching women. It's just that it's a. It's a default that we as women are supposed to do anything. It's the same thing with men. It's a default right. that it's supposed to be one way or the other. Right. There's a, we have a, we have a We're both being told these things. Right. But from angles that aren't always recognized. Well, they're not holistic. They're not whole. They're, they're, they have one, you have one choice if you're a cis man, right? You have one choice if you're a cis woman. Like this is what your choices are when it comes to the romantic, the, the romanticizing of love is like you have these choices and that to me is is outdated considering that now because like you just said can we choose ourselves to love can we choose can we choose ourselves first can we choose to live can we choose our children can we do that and still be considered whole and still be considered you know stable or chivalrous, or and like, chivalrous, yeah. exactly yeah, like. that kind of stuff is is more modern day thinking and it's it goes into the face of what people really want I think it. I think it takes a little drama out of it. Honestly, <laughs> it, I, I mean, maybe it doesn't add it. I think they have an expectation of what they want to hear from you. Like you know, um, part of it is reassuring and it's familiarity. Yeah. But then also, it's it still kind of has some. You know, I don't even like saying toxic. It's just like let's broaden the conversation. You right. Know what I mean, like let's stop pigeonholing people into how they should be because then when they come up against how things actually are hmm. there's this unrealistic <laughs> expectation and it's like hmm. well wait a minute when can i be who i am or all of a sudden you're not who you said you were and it's like wait a right. minute 
Right. I'm, I'm me, but all of a sudden you fatigued. You're not <laughs> playing that role anymore. Now you're tired of the role and we got to renegotiate terms. Then where but does that, that leave me? Okay, yeah. so then, so now we're getting into the woods. Who's the last to believe the, the... But then where is growth? Yeah. Where is growth? I think the growth comes from the realization that we've all fallen into this narrative. And mm -hmm. then it's like you break the you know fourth wall and it's like, wait a minute, hold on. There's this... There's this whole other way so, of being we have to acknowledge. And I, I think, think we both need to do that, you know? Uh, but well, both partners, whoever's in the relationship, realize there's terms, there's been ideas and language that has been set before us mm -hmm. that we have to drill, uh, excuse me, deal with these expectations that weren't necessarily our own. Even the language in which we describe right. our feelings wasn't really our own. And like, how do we rearticulate that? I think, yeah, no, I hear, I'm hearing all of that. I feel like as I, as I review, like I re think about, think back into my, my relationships that I grew out of, right? And because I'm not, I am, I thought I was a serial monogamous and I might be, but, I, I, but my goal, because my parents and my background is long-term marriages, like I don't know, like even I have people in my, my family that were married 60, 70, 80 years, right? Like, Seriously, they died together when they were, like, they died two days apart or something when they were, like, 80 years old. Like, I have that in my family more than once, right? So there was this idea that just, more than just the Disney mm -hmm. silliness, right, that we all love and fall for and think should happen and your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever should know the things to say and, like, you don't, you shouldn't have to say it, you should just know. You know, all of these things, all of this, like, straight up crap <laughs> that's not really real, how much it takes to work at a relationship, not only a relationship that is is bicultural or is biracial or is interracial, I should say, um, versus even a, a, just a relationship of just two people, um, yeah. even of the same cloth, of the same race, of the same culture, it's difficult to work with someone else, especially as you grow in age, grow in maturity, grow in um, thought process and preference. And sometimes what I feel like people don't really give credit to is that when you're in a really good loving relationship, you should grow, which means you will change. But can the relationship stand withstand through communication and understanding that that growth might look different than where you originally is from? Can you withstand that? And does it make you, does it feel like if you're going to apart, if that's a bad thing? Like, is that necessarily a bad thing? If that is just out of a loving relationship, you can discover yourself? Does that make sense? Like I've been in a relationship where the relationship was never going to go far because there was things that we didn't discuss. It was it was doomed, but it wasn't doomed in a bad way. It was doomed in a way that this relationship meant both of you will grow. So it, it means it doesn't mean that 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 it wasn't meant to be a forever forever. I but I don't know that I don't know that that was necessarily negative. If that right. makes sense. Well, I think that almost enters into the realm of like superstition a little bit. Like, Do you, you think know? so? Yeah. Well, I mean, in in the sense that um, keep talking because I'm looking at forever or like soulmates and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I believe that, you know. But what happens when your story isn't allowed? You know what I mean? Like, my first couldn't have been my last because one, I didn't have the tools to deal with things like date rape. You know, when my first was, you know, date raped. Mm -hmm. That's a lot for a kid in high school to handle. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, I, I didn't wait till later in life, and I sure didn't start as early as some of my friends. But what I started with was 
a real scenario where it was like, how do I, as a teenager, yeah. my first love tells me, you know, she was hanging around with some people that I told her, hey, you know, yeah, and, you know, I don't want to say too much, because, right? Of course. You know, so she's but, not here to tell her story, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know, the truth of the matter is, I didn't know how to handle it, mm-hmm. and I didn't handle it well. Um, but I don't think there's a really a good way to handle something that's really kind of out of your control like that at that age at that juncture in my life um, I felt like I handled it how I could um, but it we still ended up breaking up you know and that for me that was my my love until my next first love right then there was you know so like my first my first relationship um, was with a dude here in Eugene and he was um, was it was an interracial relationship now that I think now I mean I didn't even think about that but he was Mexican and white that's so he was Latin and white and raised in Hawaii until he came here so he had like a tri like cultural thing but ethnically he was Mexican and white right mm-hmm. and we were way over our head in love like and when I say over our heads it was the same thing adult things going on when we are completely not prepared for this level of of entering into adult circumstances right yeah so it's like you're 15 years old entering into adult circumstance being 15 and you all that means is it's going to end up badly with no emotional intelligence really you know you're trying it out right you get that yeah you're trying it out right then you're like you're it's really like your best friend who you trust the most and all you then you get into this other get into sexual stuff and then you get and then it gets to be like over your head at 15 like you're just not there interracially what was interesting is that he's he aligned himself with what but what kids here in Eugene would align themselves with black culture right they mm-hmm. align themselves with the the TV idea of what black culture is you know what I'm saying they got they he was a skater guy so he was like super skater dude <laughs> I got and I was an athlete and we somehow got to, I mean we met through another friend something like that and it just became where what we had in common with what we thought we, cre- we created a facade of what we thought was real, you know what I'm saying? But because we were both so into that idea, it worked, but reality catches up with you every single time. The interracial part of our relationship wasn't an issue because everyone around us in Eugene was not, um, was doing the same thing we were doing. None of us were actually um, prescribed to anything real. We were, we were all making up an idea of what it should be. Mm-hmm. At 15, I don't know what else you're doing. You know, reality is not, Catch if, well, I if think you're at 15, you're you're subscribing to the atmosphere that's around you, and your 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 quest to be original and authentic self is usually marred and tainted by like what you're told it actually is. Whether it's through music, whether it's through clothing, mm. whether it's through it's all these all these things that are just like blatant product placement in your lifestyle. Yeah, you know, get that. Wear yeah, this do this walk this way talk that like you know i i often wondered because of the interracial part and because of his like his ascription to black culture if i was ever tokenized not tokenized in in his favor but the friends but um but fantasized uh what's the word fetishized yeah. right because i was the only black girl although everyone was trying to be black does that make sense right. so i was right authentic experience that it, yeah. <laughs> Can we call it the authentic, authentic. authentic experience, yeah. right? So in the past, I think about that. Like, I'm like, dang, I was the only one that was black, you know what I mean? With everyone acting black, right? And I'm air quoting acting as well. Um, so 
there's that piece here being like a, a black girl growing up in a white area mm-hmm. being uh, centered as exotic being centered as over sexualized being centered um, that way and I think even when I was younger I I mean as a black girl I developed early and I remember teachers over sexualizing me and so I started wearing baggy clothes so that people could not see my physique at all. So I'd be, and they thought it was because I was like, oh, hoo hoo, hip hop. No, I was literally hiding my body because I was looking so much different than everyone else around me, already more different than I was already black. Now I'm physically different as well, right? So right? I become that brick house, you know? No. Like, oh. <laughs> at 14 though. Right. So people are like, uh, you know, they're looking at me differently and I'm 14, so I don't know what you're looking at. You know what I'm saying? So as yeah, a black there's girl, a certain, there's a certain amount I think naivete we enter into, um, and we don't get that full rite of passage. And the, you know, like there's there's things we have to address, but we're never mature when we address them. We're always at a uh, taking notes stage. <laughs> taking notes yeah, later. So it's like <laughs> that aha moment doesn't come until like the calamity has already came and gone, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's what. That's what that was about. Sex confuses that. Well, um, even without the sex, just like the, the whole neurochemical... Oxytocin know, overload? All, all of it. Mm-hmm. All of it plays a role. It's just like even being in school at a state where you're going through so many hormonal changes and stuff and you're talking... Okay. Like, I mean, it's not the time to be going through puberty and wearing sweatpants and having required PE classes. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then being sat next to... You know, all the ladies, all the guys. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> for for anyone questioning themselves in that moment too, at the same, we're it's all rough. in some. And it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. So now we were the first thing we were going to talk about after this was preferences. Now, did you have? Do you have? I mean, from do you have a preference of race while dating? No, you know, and surprisingly, I didn't realize there were a lot of people that did. Really? Yeah, I mean, because I didn't have it. You oh, know, I like, see. For me, mm-hmm. it was like. I didn't seek out like, ooh, like, ooh, look at her. She looks so like I can't even. Nothing comes to mind right now. <laughs> like even like I would. I have to think about what what should I say that people would recognize. But if I say black, that's too obvious. Right. But nothing like was really there. I mean, I grew up predominantly in a house full of women. Um, you know, I, I respected the women in my household. Um, it wasn't like a thing I thought about. Like, do, does the women that I in, in, encounter in my life should they look like the women that were already in my life right or can they look different it was did you just, think about that you know i thought about it afterwards oh i, I didn't see. think about see. it initially. keep talking i'm looking at comments yeah. Go for it. Mm-hmm. so um but yeah i didn't really have a preference i just knew i wanted someone you know and it was some woman and i only had hmm. the ideas because i was inexperienced only had you know the ideas of what they were like but i really didn't know that's what I imagined. Right. Or what people talked about they were doing. And, you know, there's all this talk, and then there's like what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, especially teenagers or, or young, like you go through these things, you have the talkers and you have the doers. And then when it's your turn, you try to apply all those circumstantial things in your relationship, and then you're at the whims of your actual emotion. It's like, wait a minute, I don't want to be that way, or I don't want to act that way. Like, now I'm stuck in this situation where I have these genuine feelings for this person, but 
the machismo and the, all the you know all the things I'm supposed to be. I'm having a hard time because I can't even vocalize. Like I'm stuttering. I'm I'm doing through your these preferences things. or just through your- when when you actually encounter somebody that you prefer. Uh huh. Like oh, it becomes or that you are really <laughs> you attracted to. Um, I think it's a natural thing to do because for me, I noticed if I was genuinely attracted to someone. I was not this cool, calm person, but the someone I was attracted to wasn't really the expectation. It wasn't always the, you know, like, oh my gosh, she's fine. It was like usually the awkward, like, uh, uh-huh. oh my gosh, look at that girl. And, you know, she could have like red hair, buck teeth, whatever. Right. And it could just be something about her I like. And I didn't even understand. Did you say red hair and buck teeth? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just went with that. I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I had like, you know, and this is just to put, put it in a point of reference, like, you know, I had crushes, you know, I mean, like most people did, like pop culture kind of crushes, but it was like, mine would be like Pippi Longstocking or, or Cherry from Punky Brewster. And I know this is like, I'm dating myself here a little bit. I'm like, or, dang, Cherry from um, Punky Brewster. The, the girl from uh, the Billie Jean movie, like, I forgot who she was, but she kind of had the sour face, kind of looked nerdy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, and this is a really old movie reference too, but so your she preference isn't cute. necessarily race, but you have a thing. I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's the, you know, it, it was always, I shouldn't say always, but mostly it was either the awkward or the intellectual, but it was never just straight up beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty part, like, that was a, wow, that's impressive, but that wasn't what really attracted me. I, I found myself a lot more attracted to, um, you know, just people that I thought were maybe outliers or um, just, I guess you could say, I think I started with an early on attraction towards, um, I don't know, what, I don't even know what to call them. Like, so, like, see, so this the, is the, the, ones that didn't get, the ones that didn't get picked for the kickball team for whatever reason, right, right. Um, the ones who weren't readily but, I, but I'm gonna I'm pressure on this. Yeah, You're sure. gonna tell me that you, you like the outcast, you like the nerd, you like the, the one who is the out, bystander, the out, what's the outlier of thing? Not mm-hmm. the outlier, the underdog in a way, I guess. I don't know how to I really guess. put it either. But is there, when you say that, so you're saying if it was a black woman or a Asian woman or a Latin woman and they were that way, then that part would not occur to you at all. That that part of any kind of, because the what I'm getting at is that the generalizations and mm-hmm. the, the, the implicit bias that we have that's, a, that's tied to a particular race when it comes to romantic attraction, that you're saying that you go for a type, doesn't matter what race. Right. Okay. So if it was a if it was a black person who was the, the cute nerd that was oh, like yeah. A, yeah, there was there was they were there. Yeah, yeah right. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, Coke bottle glasses and not saying that's the only thing that denotes uh, intelligence or, or IQ or smarts or anything like mm-hmm. that, but like that's what it was. It was like, Oh wow and it and all those other things just kinda came afterwards. Like right, right. it didn't really become sexualized until like it seemed more of a prospect I was probably actually going to have sex. And And I was a late bloomer, so I wasn't, like, I mean, you know, I I had family members, and there were some lookers and stuff, but I just wasn't, like, I wasn't there. I was still climbing trees, I think, in eighth grade, maybe going into ninth grade, picking mulberries. Like, I was not... Really? So you're, like, 15 doing that? If you want to put a date on it. 14? Yeah, eighth, ninth grade, that's 14. I mean, but they're mulberries. They're delicious. (laughs) You know? Exercise. Don't I mean, you know? Oh my goodness. We were coming. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're coming from two different places. 1450. Okay, I don't even talk about what I was doing at 1450. Right. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. But don't worry, my friends were doing all that, and I'm like, oh dang, what happened in that broom closet? Like, dang man, I spent the weekend. I was <laughs> climbing trees. Yeah, man, it was. Yeah, it was freezing berries. That's hilarious. Like, I, it's not hilarious. It's awesome. I think it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's a perspective, and it's the thing about this is that like when I think about what you're saying, I think I don't. Because my, I'm so, um, I had to unlearn moving fast. And when I say moving fast, it's like, I like you, let's go. Like, I, it, was, it was like, you seem cool, let's do this. Not like, let's do this, but like, I want, we will now be friends. And now we are friends and we are like, we're inseparable. Like all of my real relationships, and I've been blessed with having, being loved by many men. I mean, I say many, more than two or three. I've been engaged six times. Right, and I've only been married twice, but I've been, so I. What I'm saying by this is that I've had. I think it's blessed to be able to connect with people in a way that brings up this this feeling of of this high connection. The only thing is, is that the issue that I have is that that is what I like to do. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> meaning that the that is life. Spicy. <laughs> but I. But the truth is, is like, and then and then the the what comes after that is for me like a max of about seven years. Like I don't really want to go. I don't even have a mindset of 25 years later. Like I just, it's not my thing. So, but this is the problem is that I love feeling that like that that high of, of that meat and that love and that friendship and that bonding and the long-term friendships I've had. Um, I'm trying to think, I've had, I have, I think my, I think my romantic life is super intriguing and super fun because I'll do you now. I do, and let me tell you why. And, well, it's because I, it's been so, it's been exciting. It's been exciting, and it's been like adventurous. You know, I can, t I have stories of things like, you know, uh, I, you know, you meet somebody and do these grand gestures, and we're doing, and they're they're mutual grand gestures. So you have all these wonderful stories, or these things that you guys did that was like, what, like just on a whim of like, I trust you, you trust me, let's go do these things. I have story upon, I have lots of stories like that. That's why I love it. That's why I'm never mad about it. It's like, I'm never going, oh, I'm so sad because this and this. Because every story I have has a lot of like super exciting, really romantic, fun things involved in it. But that's my issue is that I go in fast, I go out fast. So as I've gotten older, I've realized that first of all, it's not an issue. But second, I have to realize that I'm not a serial monogamous person. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm entering these relationships, it feels like it's going to be uh, this long-term thing. I'm not, I'm not going, you got seven years and you're out. I'm not saying that. Seven <laughs> years itch. You know? Right, it's not yeah. like that. But it's like, I realize that for me, it, as I've gotten older, I've had to look back and realize that I actually am not gunning for 25 years. And I don't know that that really comes across as authentic when I'm first right. in relationships. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how do you be like, I like you a lot, but if this doesn't work out in 10 years, I'm good with that. I mean, you don't say that kind of no, stuff, but I'm kind I, of okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to even change my thought process a little bit, too, because, you know, longevity didn't necessarily mean quality, you know. And, True story. And it took some experiences where it was like, wow, like, your parents have been together how long? Mm. Wait a minute! How long have they been miserable? Wait, what? What did? What was the turning point mm -hmm. in their relationship where all of a sudden they went from miserable to like, okay, this is now tolerable? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, you got some money now. Oh, okay, now all of a sudden, 
tiptoeing around in the lit- in the living room and that whole awkward and you can't you know there's there's dynamics there and this is where in relationships it really plays I think a, a more pivotal role is where did you come up from what parts are you keeping and what are you bringing into the relationship with the expectation or not expectation of longevity or whatever the time frame is what are you adopting and what are you discarding and I think we have to have more honest conversations about where we come from what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it and how that is either similar or different because it's going to come out you know Mm -hmm. and it usually comes out in the worst times it usually comes out like oh we got a baby now like oh I don't know how to do our baby's hair right you know yeah I don't know what it's like to be, you know, a kid and sit in a classroom and every time they talk about your history, it's from the point of slavery. And you're you talking know, about this is as a mother as and a, a father a, being bi- uh, interracially yeah, coupled, right? Kid, yeah, and mm-hmm. so just to, you know, clarify that, like, you know, when you're dating, you don't think about a lot of those things until because you have to think that, about Because you're going into that Disney love. Like, if yeah. you talk to parents, people who've been married over, like you said, when does it turn? Yeah. Talk to them about how, what it takes. And it has nothing to do with love, to be honest. I, every time I talk to, like I told you, I have several people in my family who've been married over 50 years, right. and couples, and they will all tell you that it, there's a, this respect for each other. There is a dignity to each other that you see in the other person. There is a love, it literally has nothing to do with that romantic, mm-hmm. uh, that it's, a, it's respect, and I wish my parents would be on here. I think they might be. I want to ask them. It's respect, and then there's something other than with, it, it might be dignity it might but be it might fear. It might uh, be fear too. No, it's not fear. It's for <laughs> No, I mean, and I bring that up because some people have been together because it's the familiar, it's what they know, and it's like the idea of, and you know, we're talking about not just our generation, but other generations too, where it's like, this is what I know, this is what we do, this is what we do as a family, this is like the idea of deviating from that or the idea of having a breakup or a, a failed marriage is failure. But if you have, okay, and Sometimes. this is what the interracial relationship I think is, like I said, we are indoctrinated to have these ideas about the other person when they're mm-hmm. not in, within our own race. We're indoctrinated. It doesn't matter if, if you are. believe it. I right. Even if they are, I think we're, either way we have these preconceived, prepackaged, pre-presented notions of what we should be like act and or walk or talk like right and especially within our culture Mm -hmm. um one out of necessity but two um i think it's just it's an innate thing that we do to try to prepare ourselves and each other but think about if you don't if you what does respect look like to you and if you can't respect and or trust and when i say trust it's not conditional it's like you look at someone and go do you trust me and it doesn't matter for what it's yes so, right? So it does, there is no condition to it. I trust you. And so in that way, if you have, if you have real respect, and I'm saying what's the definition of respect for you, and you have trust, it has nothing to do with love, but respect and trust, those two things, if you have that, a lot of the issues of the, the, those changes and those things would, would fall under, I respect your decisions and I trust them. So it's not, per, it's not about you. It's really about them allowing them to be them and you to be you and that you can trust and respect mm-hmm. those two changes and and when it comes together, when it falls apart, when it comes back. I mean, all those things, if you respect each other, like think about, think about how much you allow 
something to go down with someone that you respect versus someone that you don't exactly yeah that familiarity well i say you know part of respect is where does your self-respect start because you can't really i want to say adequately respect someone else until you adequately respect yourself mm -hmm. you know because from that standpoint it's probably more of an adoration um, because if you don't have that self-respect how do you really adequately give it to somebody else I think right? it's more of an, a perceived expectation of what it takes to get that desired response from that okay person. so let's play it this way if you did have respect for yourself right if you had a high amount of respect for yourself wouldn't you I would want to believe that you would recognize someone who doesn't I think even and even, then go away <laughs> well I think you know we as human beings, we have the capacity to do that, which is against our own self-interest. And it's also <laughs> what kind of, I feel like, to some degree, separates from us from the law of the jungle or, or, or animals. Like, even though we have these primal urges and or whatever, we can be like, you know what? Generations after generations, we've done this and we've ate from this apple orchard. You know what? Let me go see about these oranges over here mm -hmm. in that dark space with these creatures that are, like, ready to swoop down on us. You know, and there's all these carcasses lying in the road. Like, we have the ability to say, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, see you, Mom, see you, Dad, I'm going to go over here. Like, we have that capacity to do that, which is detrimental to us. And so knowing that, I think we have an extra onus to say, hey, we have to deal with this. We have to have more honest conversations, be honest about... There's my chain. Hey, <laughs> Thomas the Train in the house. All right. You know? Right? <laughs> Thomas the Train. Oh, my grandson would be like, Tom! Right. Right. Yes. Yes. So we, we go down these paths. We have these rites of passage, and there's, there's genuine uh, things that we develop along the way. Have you ever heard the term, you know, you have to develop your wings on the way down. You know, it sounds kind of cliche and or whatever, but sometimes that's really what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be metaphorical, but in this life, you know, there's a lot of down and there's a lot of wings that we have to develop yeah. in order to, uh, you know, navigate or at least slow things down enough to where we don't just, right. you know. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna hear you there. I'm gonna hear that. Cause I, I look at it Okay, so for for me, I do my exercise as I've grown older is I inner reflect, like I go in word, right? And so sorry, I was just thinking about my whole like I was a penguin thing and then developing weight, like the whole. <laughs> and it's harder for a penguin. It's harder for. Weights on the way down. It's harder for. Well, no, I mean, okay, so don't get me wrong. No, like okay. obviously, if I could. I think what my real goal in relationships, interracial or not, is independent, is independence, right? Like, because of the way that my relationships have always been, what we don't have in any of my relationships is independence. We are become one person. That is, is what my fear is, in my own mind, of longevity, okay. right? I would rather be very independent, and they be very independent, <laughs> and you then we be together. Autonomy. I, I lose my autonomy. Okay. When I was younger, that's what would happen, right? And so, as I've gotten older, each relationship has become a little more autonomous, you know, a little more, but, but I haven't been able to actually, like, be with a, a partner who is without needing my, without needing me. You know what I mean? Like we are very sovereign people. 
And that comes with maturity, but it comes with what you were just describing. This level of self-advocacy, this level of self-care, this level of knowing thyself, <laughs> right? And, uh, and being very strong in it. So the time in between when you're falling, for me, is always super painful because I have such high expectations for myself. And I don't know that that's expressed to my partner. Now, when it's interracial, the issue for me is that it's there's so much cultural necessity for me for my partner to understand. Like, you need to understand me as a black woman. Now, as can a white man actually do that? Yes and no. The autonomy part is, can you, as a white man or white woman, see all the beauty in my blackness and not actually believe they have to be a part of it and still be my loving and dedicated partner, right? Can we do that? That I've seen one time in, a, in an interracial relationship where the, the white man and the black woman were, he was very white and she was very black. And they were able to see each other and celebrate each other without bleeding into each other. And, and the relationship is like 12 years strong. And they love each other. You would think they just met. They are like all over each other. You know what I'm saying? And so, but they are able to have such a strong respect for what it means, he has such a strong respect for what it means to be a black woman as she tells the story. And he does not try in any way to shape that story. He just supports it at, at, at that super trust level. Mm -hmm. I, it's not my story. I love her. She said it's a go. I'm going, <laughs> right? This is, not my, this is not my story to tell. And she does the same thing, but it's different even for them because they know about white supremacy, they understand his privilege, and they and so they have a really clear understanding of each other's roles in society. And at the same time, there's no there's no bleeding into excuses or ideas. It is this: they have um, a biracial. They don't have a biracial child together. She has a biracial child, and um, th just the lines of, of of communication are so clear. And he knows what he doesn't know. And he trusts that she does. She knows that they both know that she's more indoctrinated into white culture because of the nature of the society than he, than he would be into black culture. They respect that too. So it's really like, um, it's, it's just really seeing each other very clearly and being very solid in who they are and then still loving the fun parts of their relationship. You know what I mean? Loving the connection, loving the energy and still having that, that cultural respect. I don't think that's easy. I think it's rare. Mm -hmm. um, I think when people are in interracial relationships, there's, there's a lot of compromising going on on either side. I think sometimes white families have issues. I think black families have issues. There was a story of a friend of mine who just, she was, we were, I was talking about having you on the show and what we were going to talk about. And it was interesting what because, she <laughs> okay, because well, she, she was like, look, I have, um, for my prom, I had an interracial, I was in an interracial relationship, and for her prom, her grandmama was like, I want pictures, and so she had her black best friend stand in for the pictures, because she would not be having the, the fact that she did not want a picture with her and a white man, even though that's who she went to prom with. So her best friend who was black stood in her all her prom pictures and all her things, and that's what her prom looks like. It looks like she went with a black dude, but she was actually there with her boyfriend who was white. You know, I... Uh I think about those kind of considerations and, and me as being an author, I thought about it like what are people going to think about this picture? Even having or not having my own picture in mm -hmm. my own book because it might impact sales. Right. Um, but I said, you know, I'm going to put our picture because my son does illustrations, mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to put them in the back of the book. Um, but that 
was a hard decision because I knew the climate that was out there. Right. And I also didn't want to get kind of caught up in the niche culture. Well, like, you know, people are so quick, you know, to either disregard or to want to go quick, fast, grab something black, like mm -hmm. the term blackface, okay? There's times where people, like, they need to put or they want to put a blackface on it. Mm -hmm. They will rush to it. But then there's other times where, like, literally it's the opposite. And so one thing that I gathered from my mother, strong black woman, mm -hmm. was there's going to be times where you get certain things and when you don't get certain things. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be times where you're included or when you're excluded. But these are internal dialogues that we have, and I'm sure a lot of other cultures have them too. Um, and what I'd like to see happen more is that when the issues of race and culture come up, the first thing that isn't the poster child is black versus white or black with white or mm -hmm. whatever. Like all the other cultures and stuff must be sitting around with popcorn like, ooh, man, I'm glad I'm Look, glad we ain't, yeah, I'm glad we ain't getting the brunt of this because we, we we over here progressing and stuff and y'all just over here just with the tensions. Mm -hmm. um, I I understand that you know, even I didn't even go to the prom. Like, it, right. was, it was, I went to a school that wasn't in our area. It was predominantly white, and it was even talked about by uh, Rush Limbaugh. You mm -hmm. know? But I loved our school. You know, our school was on point. It was real. We had stuff go down there. Mm -hmm. um, I just wasn't able to really fully immerse myself in it, um, whether it was on a, a, a dating or just whatever. Um, but those issues were prevalent. Like, we were in the sticks. Right, you know? So right. for me, coming here, not seeing a whole bunch of people that look like me, per se, kind of reminded me of going to a school that didn't live, that wasn't in my area where I lived. But there were politics involved. There was ways to navigate. Yes, I was um, I was looking at the comments here. Can you see Macy Lynn? Hey, girl. Um, it says, uh, I can define relation by moving uh, and moving too fast and, and under, yes, and all of that. Um, so... I was, when I was listening to you, and I'm sorry we haven't scrolled back through. Yeah, let's um, take some time to do that. Cause, uh, um, well, hold on, because I think some people said they're having a hard time hearing us, but they said put some he he headphones on, so we'll look at that. I want to get into the compromising of, of interracial dating um, and what we just talked about. Like, the interracial dating, the compromises that are made, like, it's, it's complicated, right? Because, like, I just gave a, an example of a very strong, loving, very solid couple that can see and be each other, can respect each other's differences, can cannot try to bleed into the other, but at the same time uh, empower. It's a lot of both people being very strong people in their own right, right? Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And I think that it was a friendship that, that bonded into to something different after a year so they've known each other for a while then they became um this couple that then had another 10 years on top of it right so it became this this much stronger um way of being able to respect each other's lived life right but so when we were talking about earlier in the show your preferences right and i and i my preference i don't have my preferences that weren't there right your preferences <laughs> that are not there and then i have preferences right and it's neither black nor white to be honest but i've dated black and white men, right? I've been married to both. I've been married to a black man. I've been married to a white man. I've dated Pakistani men. I've dated, you know, Latin men. Yeah. And my preference is if I could meet someone who was mixed of all, I'd be like, yay. <laughs> right. I would be like, someone I can't recognize where you came from. Yeah. I don't even know. Multicultural is my, my is my jam, really. If right. we can talk about different multicultural experiences right. that, that we've had. hard to pinpoint. I remember you, you said. Yes, it, but it's the experience that goes along with the, mm -hmm. that hard to pinpoint. It's the experience that I like. It's that 
being able to, I like to be able to cross-culturally blend and cross-culturally understand and cross-culturally right. speak and get, I, I enjoy that with respect, right? So, um, but if you go back like to my dating history, I don't think I've had that. Like you said, your preference of like what, mm -hmm. like my preference would be, but have you ever met your preference? No, no, actually I have not. So I have all of these other reasons and uh, why I would get date and choose people to date. Um, but the compromises that I made um, while dating people who were not black or dating people who were uh, just dating people, period. But when I dated people, men who were black, the compromises um, were about who I am and what I expect out of my wellness were not there. Like that, I did not have to compromise my wellness. And with, with my white husband and white men that I had dated, I definitely have, I have. Now that might be a personal choice. But when I say wellness, it means like, if I'm comfortable going into a restaurant that's racist, I can feel it's racist, they can't feel it's racist, I'm uncomfortable. I, that's my wellness. I'm gonna have anxiety. I'm gonna have a little bit of like looking over my shoulder all the time. I'm trying to enjoy my dinner with my honey, and I and I'm like not enjoying the dinner with my honey because I feel things that he can't feel. That's compromising your wellness, right? Right. Um, if you know they buy me a beautiful trip somewhere, and if I'm looking at the trip and I'm going, <laughs> like, this is black folks don't go here. And <laughs> let me tell you why black folks don't go here, right? Because it's dangerous for this, this that. but it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's like a rose garden, blah, 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 blah. But look at the city that it's in. They're not thinking of that. Do I go? Do I say it? Do I talk about it? Of course I talk about it. But do I go? I go. You know what I mean? You spend $500, I'm going, right? So it's the, these type of things that, you know, food choices. We're going to go to my family's food. We're going to eat this. And I'm, and I'm, you know, trying to help cook or trying. And it's like these cultural things that just don't. Don't get me started on food. Right. But I mean, <laughs> these are compromises. And I think some compromises are okay. Obviously, relationships need compromise to move forward. But at the same time, the level of compromise that sometimes has to be made when one, one culture is feeling um, and it's the marginalized culture in the in the relationship. When you have a white person in the relationship and you have a marginalized person in the relationship, it is. Um, I want to say, and like I said, this is lived experience. I want to say that that compromise is not necessarily healthy, and not necessarily. Even if it's spoke on, it's still someone saying a little bit of me can be a little smaller so that we can be together. To me, I don't know that that's healthy, right? Um, now, it doesn't have to be that way. Obviously, I just explained the relationship that's not that way. But she also had to defend herself against that family until they got to be as understanding as he was or as, as, as mentally and emotionally and culturally um, uh, relevant or, or, or smart or, or taught or whatever he was. He, they had to wrestle his family to get yeah. there too. You yeah. see what I'm saying? You know, and and, and that, that, that dynamic in itself is it's really challenging because there's things. It's got to be exhausting. It is. Like, I know, me personally, I experienced a certain amount of fatigue, and it was just from being around situations where I did compromise. And, you know, um, there's a certain someone I won't mention. No, even, don't mention names. No, don't no, mention I'm not, I, won't. I won't mention a name. I won't. But I'll just say this. He was like a friend, but he was more extended family. Mm -hmm. And there was always racist, racist banter and things that I had to endure. And I chose to endure because it was like, oh, okay, I can make light of certain things. Yeah, I could see that. But it was like, 
wait a minute, it's always that. Like, why is the first thing that come out of your mouth? <laughs> like, hold up. <laughs> you always call me bro, but you're always saying some, some racist shit. Pardon my language. Right. Uh, bloop. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but you're always saying some racist stuff. And there's always some kind of something I'm supposed to get more and more comfortable with if I'm, I'm going to be a part of this family. And see, I was like, you know, I don't think so. Actually, you need to chill on that. Right. And that's been a problem, like... No more. Not around me, not around my son, right. not around my wife. Actually, I've given you a free pass for a really long time. You need to get up to speed um, or not. Mm-hmm. But this is where I stand on this. And that's when, you know, you, you, you start standing firm, then it becomes a threat. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're you're not one of the good ones anymore. No, and no. You're, you, you know, they, they, you get this certain level of ostracism and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now we're dealing with a woke, right. a woke black. Person. But and just even in that, t- like, how does that, what does that do to your relationship? Because I'm thinking hard. about the conversation of like, why aren't you backing me up? Because why they, aren't you standing up to your this? Why aren't you? You know, have, to have the backbone, and they have to stand up to what's usually, usually the case is there's always a carrot. There's a carrot that's being dangled. It's, if it's acceptance, if it's a family inheritance, if it's being in your own hometown and it's that familiarity, there's always something that to they, to the that, yeah, <laughs> that, that they stand to lose mm-hmm. by if they side with you. Right. So if they side with you, can you provide for their comfort and their protection? Probably not when the scales are not in your favor. But and it, so, isn't that a lack of respect? It is, but that's the reality. And I'm not defending yeah. that fact, but what I'm saying is, that's a legitimate problem, and that's mm-hmm. a legitimate problem people maintain, and they use culture and excuse and traditions and all these reasons to maintain that racist nature because they know that, one, there's power in it, mm-hmm. and there's power in the tension and the conflict, mm-hmm. and that it's it's usually in their favor. Mm-hmm. And then they get to just write it off, well, well, I don't know what happened to him. He doesn't come around much anymore. Right. Like, all of a sudden, or he was cool, but I don't know, he changed. Right. It's like, no, I just, I just stopped compromising the lack of respect that I had to endure. Right. And then when I spoke on it and I addressed it, then it was a threat. Then it's like, all right, we got a, we got a problem on our hands. I, I, we got <laughs> <laughs> Tommy is a Tommy. Tommy's not himself anymore. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do about Tommy as a family? As a, as a family, yeah, right, right. Like you, you're outnumbered. And then your you're black family going, I told you. <laughs> like, yeah. I told you it you wasn't right. going to happen, right? told you right. it wasn't right. I told you not to go there. Yeah, right. And it's, it's, um, I, I, it's unfortunate, and I don't want to sound stereotypical, but I think that's more of the situation than not. And, I, and it's unfortunate, and I don't like to say it, but I think that, that either you have, you have gone through that situation and triumphed, or you've gone through that situation and you didn't, or you're going through that situation and you're struggling. Like right. it, and you're still going through it. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. it's like you're struggling. You're trying to go one way or the other. And it's these, these I don't want to go one way. And see, and that's where I, where I have a lot of tension. Because I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. If I decide to love my wife or whoever I'm with, and I recognize that struggle that they have and the pressure that they're up under, why do I have to compromise my struggle in order to recognize their struggle? Like, it's not a competition for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. It's not a choosing sides thing for me, and this is where I stand, you know, as far as that goes, because then we have this child. Right. Like for me, personally. Okay, well, then there's a child involved. Yeah. And then he's in the crossfire. Right, so, right. 
how can we as adults and he's a biracial this, child so now you're trying to balance his right. own identity in the middle of this okay, right yeah and so a lot of what happens is in their comfort zones is where they find their protection so mm-hmm. they retreat further into their comfort zones but sometimes their comfort zones are toxic right and it could be vice versa depending on the state of uh, the state of things and like you know recently with like all the civil unrest and all these things and I'm like damn I got caught up in some 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 protests that I didn't plan on attending. I mm-hmm. was trying to get home, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, damn! There's a march. Like, I mean, you know, hey, you for the struggle or whatever? That's fine. But right. I was just trying to get home, and I'm like awkwardly. The march is going this way. I'm trying to get home. And I'm like, I didn't plan on being part of this, so I'm going straight through the march. It's like, excuse me, pardon. Me. Right. It was the weirdest thing ever because there's like thousands upon thousands of white people for mm-hmm. these you know, the social justice thing for black people. And they're looking at me like, hey, you should be going this way. I'm right. Like, no, I'm trying to get home because I don't like big gatherings and this makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But also, too, it makes what I know, my wife, uncomfortable because how is she going to be viewed and how am I going to be viewed if we don't partake or if some stuff really jump off? How mm-hmm. are people going to perceive our action or inaction when... It's like, I didn't sign up for that. Right. I got stuff I got to deal with at home. I don't need to be out in a big public display in order for me to say that I'm fighting the good fight. Sometimes, you know, I need that privacy so mm-hmm. I, can, I can fight the fight where it starts at, and that's at home. You know? So, it's uh, for me, I feel like, dang, I don't, how far into your relationship, because I'm thinking back to the my most significant interracial relationship. Let me just say, I was engaged for over 10 years. Oh, hold on, Andre. What? <laughs> In the what? I, I might so, have said I was a serial monogamous, but I didn't say that I was, uh, you know, like, quick to act to action either. Okay, you know? but... Okay, this is not... <laughs> this is not... You didn't expect that, did you? No, because... Because then I'm looking at you like, hold on, you already knew that you were dealing, b- b- marrying into a racist family. No, 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 and I don't, and I don't want to say, I don't even want to say that, and I don't want to just pinpoint that one particular right, right, right. issue. Right. But I think you know, there's a certain, um, there's a certain amount of cultural ineptitude that can easily be considered racist, or easily could be similarly consequential as racism, if not worse, because then people are allowed to absolve themselves from having to actually deal with it because like, no, no, it's not racism. It's, that's just our culture. It's just what we No, do. it's racism. It's like, right. I know, but, <laughs> right. but no. it's like, you know, when the kids playing, uh, you know, hide and go seek and they think because they can't see you, you can't see them. And that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, it's, I see you. No, it is what it is. Just because you can't see me or you don't acknowledge that doesn't mean it isn't there. Like, racism. Right. You know? So, okay, so I guess, because I'm, so when I met my white husband, right, I, we didn't even talk, so we were comfortable with talking about race, meaning that, like, he could joke, I could joke, and it was appropriate, right? It was appropriate. He was involved in, uh, culturally involved in in a way that I assumed he was involved in a way that I assumed meant he understood the culture, right? Not appropriated the culture. I assumed he understood it, right? And that he was kind of a, a, a pillar for it. Like he was, he was an ally. Like that's how I saw him because that's how it came across to me. His love for the culture came across to me as an ally. It wasn't anything that I even second guessed. We, he was so involved, had some language pieces, had some, 
was in the music, was we could talk and converse. He could show me something. It was amazing. I was excited. Um, and then we, of course, just liked each other, you know, just because of our energy together. We just had a, a really strong energy. And then we didn't, so because we had that, and because of his background living in places that were predominantly brown, you know, that kind of thing, I, I gave an assumption to him. So we didn't actually talk about race. It didn't come up in a way that would be like, if something happened, where would you do? <laughs> Are you going out the door? Are you protecting me? Am I going to have to explain to you that that was racist and now I have to defend myself against you? Like, what are we actually going to do here? And it wasn't until we came about a racist situation that I was like, ah, you don't know what to do. Like, wait, how do you not right, see we what on the same page. just happened here? Yeah, it was like, did that, did you catch that? And he was, his thing was like, flabbergasted that it had happened because he had never seen it before and I was like hold up what do you mean you've never seen like you've never understood it in this way and so then we started having talks about race and then I started thinking oh my god you're actually racist and you don't even know that you're racist right now I'm dealing with a liberal progressive racist <laughs> so then it became it wasn't that I didn't love him any less it was like we've got a problem because I am understanding I know this thing very very well and now I feel like I'm gonna have to teach you through it and not only do I have to teach you through it because you're a liberal progressive I'm gonna drag you through it I don't drag anyone to anything like you gotta be able just like I step up to it this is my this is my relationship my relationship expectations is that the person I'm with will also step up in their own time in their own way but I don't have to make them get there right we are just mutually there you tell me about your experience, I tell you about mine, but I'm not gonna drag you to anything, right? right. So this thing wasn't about, it, it became what you just said. It's not that big a deal. It's not, it's like, I love you and you love me, so what is this other thing about? And, what, and, and then it became like, oh, so now I, for me, in my mind, Aisha was like, oh, so you are actually not respecting my position because now what you want me to do is act like it doesn't really matter to me, it shouldn't matter to me because we're in love, right? Right. Even though I feel compromised, I feel uncomfortable, your friends are racist, you're racist, like you're not hearing what I'm saying, right? I'm thinking right. that we were together there's in this an idea. There's an expectation. You're raising my black kids with me. Yeah, like there's an <laughs> expectation of invalidation or so many things where it's like, okay, because you don't have to deal with that. How far along are you gonna pass the buck for lack of a better term? How long are you gonna let this go on for yeah. before you deal with it or actually even worse before I have to deal with it then right. I have to be that firm black disciplinarian I have to be all these things and I have to be angry right and not only in doing so you're going to more than likely undercut undermine and do these things 110% right and you're gonna do it and think that you're protecting our child right but you're actually harming um, you know I, you know, I hate to be the one to say it, <laughs> but for <laughs> those those listening, it's a, it's very important. Like you know, we can't keep on saying black men this or that or whatever and do it from a point of contention and scornment. And there's a lot of us, and I will say us because I can only speak to me and what yeah, I'm trusted. I've tried to be involved in my kid's life, and I've had to deal with parental alienation, and not just you know with 
interracial relationship, but just in general, like the fight to be a part of your own kid's life and then have to retroactively either explain or have explained or hope that someone will um, do your story justice just so that they know that they were loved and sometimes it just wasn't about them Mm -hmm. it was always about it had to be about these things and these other factors and people get mad Mm -hmm. when you try to be involved in your own child's life in a way that they get to walk away whole respected and have that i that identity Mm -hmm. that only truly comes from sometimes i mean and you know i hate to say because there's a lot of you know romanticizing of fostering children and these guardianships and all these other things there's all this support of everything almost above and beyond the nuclear family Mm -hmm. and or the biological father you know it might be a hot button issue for people but I, I really want people to sit back and think like why is it more okay if you see an advertisement it's a black guy white girl mm-hmm. I hate to say black and white and use that as a reference but I think it's one of the most familiar you see these it's a idealized mm-hmm. versions of what's okay or but it's like oh okay you have that relationship that's the cool dynamic because it's a successful uh, you know white woman with the athletic black man right, right, right. the you know, there's just certain little things but you seldom ever see like black family where everybody's successful because then it's too Cosby-ish right and not, not to trigger yeah you know what I mean right. but at the same time I say this I should as a male a black male be able to stand on that without it having to fall up under this umbrella that includes everybody else before me and or whatever because I should know what it's like to be a black man when everybody else is going through in their struggle. Mm-hmm. Like, why does your struggle have to be so immersed into mine that I can't even have my own struggle? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a black man. Like, right. that's, that's a reality. Like, So oh. this is interesting. <laughs> this is, okay, so let's flip it. Now, yeah. so you're a black man with a white woman. I'm a black woman with a white man. Well, was with a white man, right? The, the way that our own culture sees that difference. it's taboo in itself so this is the thing I don't we, okay so me and some black girlfriends always used to laugh at black men with white women and let me finish the sentence okay? go ahead because whenever you would say like you would look at a black man and we nod right we nod right, right. Nine times out of ten, if a black dude is with a white woman, they act, they try not to see a, a black woman in any way. They're just like, I mean, they they will dive under a table not to say hello. Really? That yes. Happens. Oh that my god. I'm so sorry. I, that look, happens. look, I can guarantee you, if the people in the in the chat are black women, probably like blowing up right now. I'm telling you, guaranteed. I don't know why those black men, uh, generally, I'm not talking for everybody feel threatened by black women when they're with white women that I'm seeing you going, hey, I what's think, up, brother? Like, I as if I'm judging you because you're with a white woman. They have already decided that I have an attitude well, about think, the situation. I would say, I think, um, you know, I think I get a little bit of that too myself. Uh-huh. You know, I know we I've talked been, about this before. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been in places, but I've, got it, I've gotten it from black dudes where it's like, oh, like, like you're going to tear a hole in the space-time continuum if there's two articulate black dudes or just two black dudes in the same space. Mm-hmm. And there might be some potential of like, okay, we have to decide who, who's the blackest of the black in this room between these two black dudes and all these other people that aren't black. Like, you know, oh, there's really? this weird tension. Yeah, sometimes it's, and this, this happens. Like, I've been, you know, in places and it's like a, a fight to decide like who's, 
the most bro of the bros or something. Oh like, my gosh, what the heck is that weird. about? Look at that. Weird. <laughs> um, but you know, also in the, the the dating context and the relationships, like I've been, you know, sitting, you know, with couples and stuff, and it's like say it's an interracial couple, the black guy and the white girl, right? Yeah. I've literally had like tensions where it's like the guy's looking at me like I'm a threat because of what I represent is also what he represents. And they're, there they're can fighting. only be one black guy yeah. with these white folks. Yeah, like, exactly. These are my white people. Right, like, listen, listen. <laughs> oh gonna, if we're going to get along, we're going to be in the same space, but you got to understand. Right, you know, I'm the number like, one here, right? Right, I'm the HNRC uh, in this situation. So that's interesting. Two men know? around white women. That's interesting. Now, what do you feel? I, because let me, you, let me just say this. I'm not the authority on anything. These are just observations. No, this is that's how my show is. Not, things, none of us are. This right, is generalization. Folks like the. Our own personal lived thing, right? I don't want to be dealing with cancel culture. No, 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 no quoting. <laughs> this is our own. We, we understand. My yeah. black girl from Eugene, we understand, right? Uh, no, but so um, it's interesting because that is the experience I have with it's black territorial. men and white it's territorial. women. Interesting. Now, what about how? No, because you're a man who's married to a white woman, but do you have any kind? Do you have any kind of? Because I don't think that you do. So this, this is going to go right over your. Well, but like, so, but some sort of. Um, what is the feeling when you see a black... Do you have a feeling when you see black women with white men? When I see black women with white men... Because my experience with black men with white women is that they are canceling me before they... Like, as if, because I'm saying hello to them, like I'm let having say, an attitude with their first. union. Let me say this first. First, I'm not a black man from Eugene. So my, my experience... This is from anywhere. Well, from where I was, how I've always felt about it. I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really give it much thought. Right, that's why I was know, Because, like, I, my first was black, I, you know, and it wasn't by choice. It was just by happenstance. You know what I mean? Like, I never sought out... So you, you don't have it when you see a black woman in a... I'm do you black, don't, I don't do you, have to. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm black, I don't have to seek out something because I did, like I am that, which I just... It's which, not to seek out. It's, it's no, a, but it's some a, people are like that. Like, that, that's their thing. They're like, oh, I only date black women or I only date this. And that. I never had that. I never had an issue with my race or color. I never... Do you get anything from the black women? Um, as far as what energy, like the idea, like I'm saying, when actually, I talk to a black man, actually, they, I talked, I talked to somebody recently, um, and they said I need to talk to a black man because I, I need somebody to understand me right now. And they're in a you know interracial I mean? relationship. Like, no, no, no. It was just, hey, I had a rough time. I need somebody who's going to understand that without having to go into the whole big backstory right. as to why they're having a rough time but like they just they're gonna get it and they're gonna get it faster yeah and it doesn't even have to be a conversation right like can I get some support from you as can you hear me yeah yeah Yeah. can I be visible can I be seen like you can I just be in your presence right now And I was just like yeah yeah I got you right like I'm going through my own stuff but I got you and it doesn't have to be a thing it just I got you. Mm-hmm. I know where we're at. I know where we're at on this timeline. Right. And I'm very aware of your need in this moment. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. See, so that's that's a that's actually a lot of love for that moment there. Now, because because my scenario is the, okay. Let's put let's do this. I'm like I'm thinking of all these different scenarios. We've got a black woman and a white man, mm-hmm. and a black man is there. Now. My experience, not necessarily with my ex-husband, but just my experience, is that it's that same thing that you just experienced with two black men um, that are in the room with a bunch of white folks. That black woman and that black man 
have a coded conversation, not on purpose, but because of what you just explained. You can see me and I can see you. My white partner can see that he doesn't see any of that. Right. So then there's this idea of like, where is the strength? Where is the respect? Where is the understanding culturally? Because that's a cultural moment. Right. And so in that cultural moment, black men who are respectful of a, an interracial relationship will dap it out and leave it and leave it be. Well, it's, right? like, the, it's like the nod, right? Like yeah. you see somebody, and, you see, and I have friends who ask me about this, and it's mostly white friends, like, why do y'all do this? What is that? <laughs> like, I'm like, listen, first of all, I'll say this. I'm not going to answer this because I'm capable of answering this. Right. And I'm not the black almanac. Yeah. I, you know, I just want to be clear about that. But I will say this. For me, it's almost like, oh, I see you. And it just seems like a courtesy, you know. It, to me, it's like solidarity, but without that is what it, yeah. without without having to say I subscribe to this, this, and this. But like, I see you, I notice you, and we're both here. Yeah. Um, and that's an unfortunate consequence of where here is. Mm -hmm. And even if I was somewhere else, I would still do the same thing. And I can honestly say it's probably a conditioned response is probably a necessity mm -hmm. and it's not a bad thing because that's something that I think even in outside circles they they acknowledge they have a kinship mm -hmm. they acknowledge they have these brotherhoods and all these things mm -hmm. and these sister all these other connections are okay but when we start having connections and it's in silent agreement it's still too loud. Right, right. Oh, yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? like, and that, that says something about the strength of the interracial the relationship, and that's what my whole point is. It's like, can you respect the differences and still be a whole person of who you are? I'm talking about the white counterpart here, right? right? Because there are pieces of black culture, other cultures, that make sense to us. It doesn't actually take away from the, the, the it doesn't take away from the bond that y'all have. Right. But at the same time, the respect for it like I said, without right. having to be, like well, they got different names for those bonds, and they're fine. Like they they call them whatever. Like you know, you got your your Western Americana. You know, you got all these things. You got you got all these Western things Americana. that are fine. Oh wait, yeah. my, okay, good. keep talking. Sorry. You got all these things that are fine and, and traditionally accepted, or they're traditionally mm -hmm. vilified when when you know when when certain people want to highlight these disagreements. But me, I'm not about the tensions. I'm about hey, you have your history. It's a collective history, though. It's our history. Yes. So as much as your history you want to be yours, and much of your culture you want to be yours, guess what? It's ours. Mm -hmm. And so until we like are honest about that and all the you know the the appropriation or whatever you want to call it, it's still our collective history. And I don't have a problem with that fact. To me, it's not controversial. It's natural. It's history. It's it's what it is. And when you try to hide that and you try to you know uh, you know kind of keep it to where that's off limits and that's the conversation that's for another time always mm -hmm. that's where we have these problems and you have grown folks still dealing with inner child issues and things that haven't been explained <laughs> to us cross generations for generations so yeah that's where i want to that's where i want to be those are the conversations i want to be in on that's the elephant in the room I want to address. You know, um, we were about at times. So I do want to go through some of these comments. I have my uh, Tariq Richardson, who's my nephew, and my dad, and we got some other people. Yeah, um, some with some real good comments here about fetishizing black women, or, or either way. And um, I also wanted to say that, like, it's it's to me, it's I don't have 
I have a high expectation, period. <laughs> that is how it goes. I have high expectations for myself. I have high expectations for whoever I choose to partner with, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of my expectations are around respect, right? Because like I said, my dad now is on, and, I, and that they always have told me their long-term relationship did not revolve around love, right? Of course they love each other. That's beside the point. The thing is, that's not what gets you 25 years. That's not what gets you 50 years. So the thing is, um, for me, when I think, when I look at it and I say, um, when I said earlier on, I don't want to, my goal is not 25 years, my goal is not 50 years. But my goal for me is is this level of, of true, like I said, true respect where people come whole. I don't know, like you just said, those childhood issues that people be carrying around. I don't know a lot of men black, white, or other, who are at my age at this point. I think we're about the same age at my, at bar. I'm not telling if you ain't. No, oh, I told you, I, I told people all the time. I'm 43. I'll okay. be 44 next week. I think I'm older than you. Am I older than you? You ain't gonna tell? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, I see how you are. I see how you are. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm of that age where, you know, it's, it's still cool to be a little mysterious, but I don't have to be. I like saying that I'll be 44 because I look good. I just That's say, what I, I say it's, it's grandpa season. You oh, know Lord. I mean? Like, I'm of that age. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. I need to find my 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 uh, my attire. And, no. I mean, <laughs> look, I, one of my best friends, she's 12 years older than me, and she'd be like, tell me how old I am. Because she looks good. Like, I mean, when I say good, you will never guess that she's as old as she is and I say it was old 12 years older than me she doesn't look a good 10 years younger than me like she looks black does not crack right like the girl is like all on it and so now that I'm getting older I'm like yeah tell me how old I am because I feel like I look fine you ask me again 44 I'll be 44 next week 45 well it's like right. a rap album where they do the shot out and they do the year of data I don't want to date it you know, <laughs> I want to be a little more timeless you know I don't, nobody needs to know my age I ain't got to be like this is you know, class of this or that or whatever. Nah. You said, nah, I'm not. Count me out. Eternal. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. All right, eternal. <laughs> so, so um, I, when I'm thinking about it, like, I feel... Now I can't even think about what I'm saying. Dang, what was I saying? I can't think about it. I don't know. Show, show. You can wrap it up because you said we had time. I was going to wrap it up. Yeah. Part oh, one of, I don't know, question mark. Question mark, question mark. No, I mean, dang, I wanted to say it too. I Oh, well, maybe... It'll come back to me, and I'll come back on. Somebody whatever, took know. notes in the comment section. I'm sure. So Somebody like, look back, timestamp. Hey, you were right at this. I Somebody, I know, right? It's true. Oh well. Anyway, so I know I can't. <laughs> Dang. Okay, let's go back over comments. Um, I did want to say that um, I want. I am a champion for love. I think that um, if you find love and you find it interracially, go for it. I find that in this these relationships, I feel like. You need to be solid with what your my expectations like my expectations be solid about what you bring and what you what you deserve back like in a real respectful way in your own growth and process i mean it's a journey like you said this life like this is a soul search for me not necessarily like soul love and blah blah but it's like this life is to teach for me in my perspective and i think when as we go on like I was saying before, my expectations are high for myself. So my expectations will be high, period. But what I expect is that you have high expectations for you and that you respect yourself and that you, that for me, my partner is, is working as hard on themselves as I'm working on myself. And at our age, is how I got to this, is that I don't know 
to be really honest, a lot of men, because I'm not, I'm, I'm uh, uh, heterosexual, a lot of men who are willing to do the self-work it requires to have a healthy relationship. There's a lot of background stuff that's coming forward that I see. And so for me, being single on this Valentine's Day is a celebration for me at, of the work that I'm doing on myself to be whole, right? Yeah. And that after the relationship that I've been through and everything that we were just discussing, interracially or not, that those compromises that were made for a beautiful relationship. Our relationship was so much fun. We had such a good time. But the compromises that I made, I will never do again. And it has everything to do with me and my culture and what I stand for as a black woman is something that I will not compromise in order to make things go forward, right? It was a lesson learned. Um, and at the same time, it was, I like thank him for that lesson because if I wouldn't have engaged so fully in it, I would have never seen myself in a different, in a, in a way that I see myself now. It just, in that relationship, I, I went natural. I cut all my permed hair off and was like, tick, 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 I'm about to wear afro. <laughs> and he was like, right on, he didn't understand. But it was like, I felt, I felt more free to be myself because the relationship was loving then, and I became and grew into more of myself in that interracial relationship that I had ever before. Could have been age, could have been timing, or it could have been freedom, who knows? But because of that, I there's things about that transformation that I will not go back on. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So before we start, do you have any last comments before we go through the comments? Um, I wanted to say, you know, I think there should be the ability to grow even in the moment, like once you realize, hey, there might need to be some growth in these areas, don't double down on ego. Um, there's a way to be firm and assertive without having to necessarily be toxic, but we have to learn that. And in learning, share with your partners that you are learning or you are in this phase. If you're reading a book, you know, so important. let them know. If you're watching a new series or a show, you know. If you've seen a new therapist, Bring them this in. Fine. Let them know mm. so they're not blindsided by this new you mm -hmm. that is, you know. That's for real. Like, people people deserve to know that you're doing the work. Mm -hmm. And if we can't talk about the work and what the work is, at least let them know that you're trying to do the work and that it's a process. Mm -hmm. And they can focus on their own process. You can focus on your own. But have the conversation. Let them know that you're, you're making the improvements and do your best to acknowledge that because there's people out there who are firmly rooted in not having to be firmly rooted in anything right. other than what they've already been steeped in. Right, right. True story. I like that. So we're going to go through that and I want you to announce your book and, and everything that you're doing and let them know where they can find you, where they can okay. read you, where they can see you. Um, feed so, me. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So here we go. We've got Maisie saying, yes, yes, ma'am. We've got Carl Richardson, who is my daddy. He says, <laughs> consider the tension that exists within a white woman in a relationship with black men and other black men, uh, with, with black men and other black men, the tension that, that they feel. Okay, Tariq is my nephew, who I'm super proud of, getting his PhD in Templeton. Yeah, that's what's uh, up, Tariq. Because they don't want to be held accountable. I wish we would know what the converts are at the time they do it. Uh, got to make sure we differentiate preference with fetish. It's apparent a lot of these tragic arrangements are fueled by fetishism. Um, fetish Why can't I talk? Fetishization I when you, when you and cultural well, dislocation. Um, okay, so then we've got Ingrid. Hey, Ingrid. Uh, 
The speaking up gets super weird when folks decide you aren't fun anymore. Okay, I uh, know that's right. Um, like talking about these issues or calling them out as they happen, folks are so uncomfortable and don't want to engage and then realize that this is or could be a thing uh, every time we hang out. Well, because, you know, you know Eugene. Life. Some things you gotta, <laughs> it's real life. Some things you gotta handle in real time, you know, for real. And they get so uncomfortable with it. So then uh, Carl says again, my dad says, hey, yeah, preference versus curriculum and habits. Forethought reigns supreme. Macy, preferences are so important. If you don't know what you want, you won't find it. Macy, again, the compromising is so hard in interracial relationships, and it's usually the POC, people of color, who, do, uh, who does the most compromising. Having conversations around expectations, needs, needs, et cetera, is so important. And then that goes on to what um, the other person was saying, is that as soon as you bring up race in an interracial conversation, unless they, you know, uh, you know air quote, woke, then, it, then you want to see how fast they run for the hill <laughs> when you start talking about, um, I'm going to need you to understand some things before we go to my parents' house. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, people, okay. People talking about, uh, they're trying to hear us in ha headphones. We have ISIS. Uh, I enjoy your podcast today. Uh, I cannot hear the two of you. Oh, someone told her to put headphones on. I'm really sorry about that. I'll try to bring the computer closer next time. Um, and these are just good morning. No, this is where your patrons, you know, we need to get you a boom mic. Okay. We, you know, if you want to help fund this show. <laughs> see me at Patreon, right? Yeah, see exactly. me at Patreon, uh, Black Girl from Eugene underscore one. Direct we, support. Direct support. That's so true. I do need another mic. You so, look, I appreciate you, Andre. <laughs> it says, I'm appreciating this uh, conversation very much. This is from Carter. Uh, such good, thoughtful reflection. Thank you, Carter. Um, so I want, before we go, to really, and I, we kind of jumped right into the conversation, but I want you guys to know who Andre Royal is. So go for it. Let them know where they can find you, the endeavors that you're involved in. And then I will let, I think y'all know about my Patreon, um, but I'll put it in the show notes as well. So they'll be yeah. able to check back to it. All right. Well, if you want to find me, you can look up Andre Royal or Chef Andre Royal. I'm on a, a few different um, uh, social media, uh, under a few different social media handles. But also, uh, leave me a note in the comment section because I hear it's lit. I'm going to go back individually and check out all these comments. Dude. And I know Aisha will do a follow-up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very involved in the community. I put on a uh, 5K annually, which is coming up March 314, 2021. I am the first and only African-American to put on a time-distance run in Eugene's history. That's awesome. We make history in real time. And a lot of it goes under the radar, but that's okay. <laughs> I stay moving and I keep doing things in the community. And it's just my way of giving back and honoring the space that I'm in. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, get a hold of me here. We'll we'll we'll, we'll continue the conversation. And mm -hmm. if Aisha wants to have me back, I do. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll do that too. We'll yeah. do the sequel and then maybe the prequel. <laughs> the prequel. You are always welcome. I'm You're a. I want to be a first. Okay, wait, wait. Oh, this is gonna yeah. be. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go, I want to hear a romantic gesture that you have either done or received from Valentine's Day. One. I already got one. So, you know, <laughs> my missus was working, um, she was working overtime and she used to work in hospital and so I knew that and so what I did was I brought the bedroom from upstairs to downstairs. I brought the bed and set up everything so as soon as she came in through the door, it was just like, oh, you Aww. can get some rest. <laughs> 
there was no rest to be had. Uh, there was no rest to be had. So you but said the whole bedroom simple. downstairs? Basically, the essential parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, bed, the candles, parts. a whole everything. It's like, oh, rest your feet. That's you so know? sweet. And get that back rub. <laughs> You're like, there ain't gonna be no rest in that. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, now, what? That's one that you gave. What have you received? You know, I'd say as far as romantic stuff, I, I've, I've tended to. I don't know if I'm a good judge of what's romantic because I, I have a very broad range. Well, you just gave someone something romantic. So you don't I'm think you ever receive anything so romantic? No, Let's just be no, real. Okay, all right. No, I'm real. No, I'm I'm really simple. It's just a kind gesture. Okay, I'll, I'll say one. This is another one. Someone baked me a pie. It just happened to be mm. they didn't take it out of. I shouldn't say someone, you know, but I'm not gonna be specific. Okay. They baked me a pie. It was my favorite pie. It was a pecan pie. It just happened to be they didn't separate the two pie crusts, so it was a <laughs> double crusted pecan pie that was overcooked, burnt on the top, oh, really stop. in the middle. Stop. What? And like. <laughs> The intention was so there, and I shared it with my mama, who oh, really was just, like, "Oh, this is delicious," and I was mama. like, "I put it in the freezer just so it was set." Right, you know what I mean? Right. Try to help it out. Yeah, I ate the inside of it. The inside was cool. <laughs> I mean, once you broke it apart, yeah. and dissected it, and I was like, "This is the best, most memorable pie I've ever had," and so that was one of the most and it was. Like, that's failed the one gestures thing that you bring. <laughs> ever. Yeah. In case they oh watch it. In case they watch it. In case they watch it. You loved it. And you pie. did love it. You yeah. did love it. I'm okay. going to get me a pie after this. So, okay. <laughs> so, I'm trying. Um, like I told you. What I have, you? I, right. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I have had a spoiled love life. Like, I'm spoiled, Andre. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of one of my favorites. Um, okay. So, when I, I can't, I'm like, I don't even know if this was Valentine's Day or my birthday, but I used to love, I still love the song Banana Pancakes by um, Jack Johnson. And so he was a musician. And so he woke me up. It may have been my, for Mother's Day, though. But let me, anyway, it might have been Valentine's Day. All right, Whatever. Banana Pancakes. Banana yeah. Pancakes. And he was singing, he learned how to play it on the guitar and sing it. And he had served me breakfast in bed while he played the guitar with the mu- and music. So that was for me, and I thought that was super sweet, right? That's, That's one. And then the other um, that I gave that I I'm so proud of. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not it really shouldn't be about me but, <laughs> but, but I'm still do. proud of my effort um, I because this person was a drummer right so uh, he did African drums so I actually um, bought a drum that he was learning how to play and these as a, like a handcrafted drum and um, I got it from a um, West African and it was a really nice old like really seasoned drum so it had a really rich sound to it and because we were both doing these things, there's this song that's in uh, that we dance to that was a love song. It's, a, it's like a it's a courting song, mm-hmm. and it's in a different language. But this person had had all the rhythms of this 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 culture that he knew um, kind of written out in a folder, right? And it had like the 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 marks of the song. And so what I, yeah, like, so when you hit the song with each drum, so it was like the music. It was a written out music that he had written out himself. So what I did is I took that particular song, Yonkety, and I did a watermark of the rhythm, Yonkety, and then I wrote a poem on top of the the watermarked song. And then I took that poem and Yonkety's rhythm, put it on top of the drum, and left it at his house, which was nine hours away. (laughs) 
What's your what? pie game like? Okay. <laughs> I can make a pie. Don't even mess with me. <laughs> I can make a pie. But, <laughs> but that was my grand gesture to somebody that I was so proud of because I was just like, oh my God. It, was, it tied all these things together. And we had Valentine's Day that year together, but he, we lived eight, eight, nine hours away from each other. So we would go back and forth every weekend. So I would take... I took the whole gift there and we all we spent the whole weekend it was so it was really really nice so that was my grand gesture and the other grand gesture was um, uh, something else but so yeah that's that's my Valentine's Day right. hint, hint for people y'all can take it y'all can take it yeah. <laughs> steal it buy it whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway um, thank you so much for coming on my show thanks for having did me. you have a picture that you want to show oh. for one? Oh, this thing yeah this old this whole this whole oh, thing this whole thing you just happened oh, to have this cover story that was in the Register Guard about the children's books that I write <laughs> with the NAACP shirt in their library. This oh, whole okay. thing. take it, take it up close so they can take a good look. There we go. There we go. Yes. Yeah. We. Yes. You know, <laughs> sometimes we're in the news. When I say we, I mean me and my son. You know, for yeah. the for you know for the things we do in the community. You know? And just so y'all know, <laughs> my black girl from Eugene, the the um. It's not a logo. The print. The art. The art. Yeah. She did a commission piece. Yes, that is Black Girl from Eugene. Um, It's a picture of me that was cartooned and beautified by his son. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you so much, Junior. (laughs) Do you just call him Junior or do you? No, he don't. I have to call him Andre Royal from here. He's my friends. I used to call him AJ. He's Uh like, my friends call me Andre. I'm like, but AJ, son. He's like, no, no, it's Andre now. So drop you know, you the gotta junior, respect that. You drop know, the junior, they drop got a the head AJ. on you and yeah. you know, broad shoulders. You got to respect that. That's so. true. So, yeah. all right, Andre Royal, yeah. thank you so much. It's a big hit. I love it. You're very proud of it. Super. Proud of him. So, thank you. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We've been on this thing for a while. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed, and please leave the comments, and we will be um, commenting and following. And, yeah, anything yeah. else? Nope. I'll all see right. you in the comment section. Peace.